Welcome to Love, Honor, and Asperger's, a podcast for partners in autistic or narcissistic relationships. Join author April Anderson and her guests as they delve into their personal experiences and offer their insight. With wisdom and wit, this podcast will provide listeners with invaluable guidance, unwavering support, and compelling real-life stories. Ready? Let's dive in. Hello, my Cassandra brothers and sisters. Welcome to this episode of Love, Honor, and Asperger podcast. Today, my guest is Valerie, who's had a 35-year-old marriage to a person she calls the asshole, the asshole. And we decided we're just going to go with it. And uh, after you uh, listen to her story, I think you're going to probably agree with her. Uh, We're also going to concentrate a little bit on how a narcissistic parent is so hurtful to children. A narcissistic parent just does not properly parent and the effect it has on kids. And there's a lot of kids here involved in this. But before we start, I just want to congratulate Valerie on doing 31 miles in bad weather conditions. Uh, with a, It's a cross-country course. And she just persevered. And she's an amazing athlete. And I always say that the women I meet doing this podcast are just, they're exceptional. Everybody's exceptional. So congratulations on that big run you did, Valerie. She's a little bit worn out, but she's going to, you know, try to make it through this story. And welcome, Valerie, to the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and for the congratulations. Yeah, that's a big thing. That's that's probably one of the gifts he gave me without me knowing it. It just showed me how strong I am. Well, that's, yes. I think we do find out things. Yeah. Things we didn't ever really want to know, but things that somehow... Yeah, like me, I never knew I could do so many things since I divorced. Yeah. Ex-former. And and, and so now, Valerie's been divorced since it was 2021 or 2020? 2021. You just told me that. So it's not that long ago, really. Before we get to the divorce and everything, we're going to ask Valerie how she met this man, the uh, future asshole, and red flags and just Tell us your story, Valerie. It's really interesting because our meeting was a red flag. I was 17, 18 years old, and I was out at a local bar, and he was married and with a group of guys in the Navy that were stationed in our area for a school. And unbeknownst to me, he was married. He didn't wear a ring. So we started a relationship. I found out he was married, and even at 18 years old, I had real core values, and I immediately stopped seeing him because that's just not who I am. Now go forward, and by the way, at the time, they had two children, and his wife was pregnant with their third. Oh, my God. While he was doing this. Mm. (laughs) So he was 24, I was 18. I don't even know if it was that much of an age difference. Either way, he got stationed over on the West Coast. Off they went. Well, their marriage falls apart, not surprisingly. And he gets stationed back over on the East Coast, ends up up in the town I'm from. And I end up back home with my parents at that time. And he 
remembered my last name and called my parents' house because back in the day, everybody was in the phone book. My mother called me at work and said, hey, there's this guy that called, says he knows you. And one of the women I was working with, I'd worked with a few years earlier. And she was like, oh my God, isn't that that sailor? And I said, yeah, it is. I called him. First thing out of his mouth was I'm divorced. And I said, well, I would hope so because, you know, we wouldn't even be talking otherwise. And we started dating and we got married that year. Wow. Yeah, it was kind of crazy. That was 1985. Okay. Yep. 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 So you got the red flags. One of them you mentioned was a bedroom set. was kind of sweet. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There were so many reds. Interesting because you don't see the red flags when you're in it. You color them different. Mm-hmm. Especially when you're young. I mean, I was only 24, 25. Uh, yeah, especially when you're young. And we're engaged, and he buys this. I show up where he's staying, and he was like, Look at what I got. And he bought this bedroom dresser, nightstands, the whole thing. Look at what we look, and no involvement from me whatsoever. Wow. And I just was like, Oh, okay. And uh-huh. I was fairly indifferent to it, but I hated this since he bought it it's gaudy and large and dark and doesn't suit me at all but you just are like okay so he thought he was doing a nice thing you just don't you don't think about it there's that lack of communication and and i I think immediately you start making excuses yeah we as the other half of that start making excuses for it well he meant this right well you're not to know one time my ex-former came home with a I was calling Valerie might not know that I call him I always call my ex-husband, but somebody said it was more proper to say former. So I call him ex-former. <laughs> I don't know. So ex-former came came home with the well, it's the second car he didn't ask me. The first one was a horrible looking little army thing. I thought it didn't even work. It looked like a little Jeep or something. And then this time he comes home with a I call him the pimp car. It was oh, long. It's in my I wrote that in my book. I mean, do you show up with that? And and I mean I'm married then. Yeah. But, but it's the same kind of mentality. Yep. Why you just go by, and it was big, long, blue thing. We had to go to some function in that thing, and I was so embarrassed. I felt like, you know, you yeah. like came from inner city Philadelphia or something. There were drug dealers, big <laughs> bins, you know. Oh, yeah. So I, I don't know. They seem to have that in common, that kind of thing. We had a lot of conversations like that. He'd get upset if I bought a pair of shoes. You know what I mean? And we're, I don't go and buy Louis Vuittons. Like I bought $20 pair of shoes and he would buy a $1,500 piece of music equipment and not tell me about it. Oh gosh, terrible. All right. So now you're married and you're having these, your kids and how did it go along then? That was interesting because I still remember, you know, he was in the Navy, so he was deploying a lot. Oh, and God. he would go right. out for three, come in for three, go out for three, mm-hmm. come in for three. And mm-hmm. I mean, and it's a lot. And I knew I married a Navy man. I mm-hmm. knew that. I took on the challenge. I was committed because, mm-hmm. you know, the whole vows thing. Mm-hmm. And he would come home from work. And my oldest son, he would hit the door and he would be like, daddy, will you come play catch with me? Mm-hmm. And he'd really easily go no, and just walk away. Wow. And my son would just be shattered and come to me and be like, daddy won't go out and play oh. with me. So I'd go walk in and I'd say, you know, daddy's tired. He just worked blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. And without the kid around, I'd be like, what are you doing? Right. And he'd say, I just got home from work. Like <laughs> I don't deserve time. And I'm like, no, you're a parent. 
This kid in five years isn't going to want anything to do with you because he'll be a teenager. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like, enjoy it while you can. So then he came back from deployment one time and he used to be very athletic. He was playing on softball teams, football teams, Mm -hmm. and he signed up for like two or three different softball teams and was going to college part-time and working during the day. So he went from being gone to still being gone. And I had to say to him, you're part of a family. You know, we don't see something has to give. And I'm thinking it's not college. Like, what are we doing? Right. Us showing up at one of your games and the kids running around the base is mm-hmm. not spending time with your family. So it was always geared towards him. When my my guy was in, he was in the Navy, my ex, but he, he wasn't, he was only in for the time he had to be. When we went to law school, it's the same thing. You know, you go through a long time before you really know what they're like because they're not around that much. And my Mother always said we got along well because we were never together. I don't know how she had the intuition because she never really knew he had Asperger's and narcissism. She passed before I knew all this stuff. Yeah. But, so he would go to work all day, school at night. And then if he had any time at the house, which wasn't much, he would read the paper. And I'd sit on the floor with my little son playing, you know, one of these little, what was that little game we always play? The kid cheated. You put the little, anyway, little board games. And like Candyland or yeah, something. Yeah, that was it right there. Candy. Yeah. And so, yeah, and so my ex would just sit there reading the paper and I'd say, can you not read the paper and play with your son? Could you just not? And yeah. you said it was boring to play. And my like said, yeah, it is boring. I mean, they, I don't get This is called being a parent. I don't think he really ever did that much like that, but that's that whole, it's a nasty kind of thing. To Mine talk. would do that in the car. Anytime we traveled, he would sit there and read the paper. We wouldn't even talk and have conversations. I'm like, you don't want to. I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. So your kids come along, and when is it dawning on you that maybe this isn't the greatest thing? You know, there were always along the way things that would happen, and you would be like, you know, in the moment of that thing, like, holy cow. And again, you make excuses or whatever. I mean, our move to Delaware happened. Mm-hmm. He had gotten out of the Navy and got a job in Chicago. We were in New York, got a job in Chicago. And I kept saying, you can't find anything closer on the East Coast. And he just made up his mind. This is oh, where God. we're going. Oh, so I was like, OK, so I guess that's where we're going. Figuring that's where we were going. That's where we're staying. And the next thing I know, because he's not happy, he got another job at a different place out there. And then the next thing you know, he's saying we're going to move to Delaware. So I told him when we moved to Delaware, I personally, between mm-hmm. him and my father, have moved 26 times wow. in my life. I will never mm-hmm. move again. <laughs> and he was like, that's okay. And I'm like, I'm serious. Never. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and that's kind of where some of our issues really catapulted later in our marriage. I mean, we had stuff all along that you're just like, oh. Mm-hmm. But he was working for Sunoco up in Marcus Hook. Yeah. And they closed. So he had to get a job. Mm-hmm. And again, without discussing it, you know how we talked about that. Mm-hmm. He took a job down in Baltimore. Right. And he told people, one of my neighbors walked up to me and said, Oh my God, you're moving? I don't know what are you talking about? He told people we were moving. He had a woman from their HR department right. call right. me. 
to tell me to sell my house, to shortlist it, even though it would ruin my credit, but only for a little while because it was when the market had crashed. So Mm -hmm. we were more than really what they were saying the house was worth. Mm -hmm. And she knew nothing about me. And that was the year my son had deployed for a year, which if you want to know something that affects you mentally, Mm -hmm. my mother had died. And I lost three pets within nine months. Oh, that's horrible. And I was finally, I realized I was coming home from work and sitting on the couch and not moving, but I was at least going to work and didn't realize how deeply all of it affected me. And I was finally getting out with friends and gardening and doing my things. And then he's like, oh, we're moving. (laughs) And I told this to that woman on the phone. I said, I'm sorry he put you in the middle of it, but I don't even know you and you don't know our situation. After I told her all that, she was like, I'm really sorry. I shouldn't have ever called you. That was so he went and took that job mm-hmm. and then decided he didn't want to do the commute because his car wasn't good enough to do the commute. And he started living in an apartment down by Baltimore. So how often would you see him then? Well, initially it was every weekend. Mm-hmm. And then it just became less and it became weird. It became you know, I mean, birthdays would go by, anniversaries would go by. He'd oh, be gosh. home for the holidays, but the, and I would constantly, you know, we need to work at this. We need to do something better. When he got a new car, I said, okay, now you can move home. And I think I told you this, his boss lives five minutes from my house and does the commute every day. So I'm like, his boss, did it. He didn't choose. His boss still does it. And I just felt like, so I don't matter to you. Like this doesn't matter to you. So he just started building a life down there and just was like, okay, good to go, Mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, then there was a good year and a half where he did some really crazy things. And I was just like, what is happening? And then it also felt like it was a weekend booty call. He could get his sex and then not be involved at all. Mm-hmm. Not help with the yard, not help with or, me, not do anything, not engage. As long as he had sex and was getting what he perceived he needed in the relationship, mm-hmm. we were good. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, but anytime I talked about the importance of different things and this should change and we need to, and he would shut down. Well, he wasn't interested in that. I well, mean, honestly, he used to, I've always made the bet every day. We always have. We just always have. Mm-hmm. And I'd go back upstairs. Like he'd get out of bed after me because I'd get up at like six in the morning on the weekends and go for a run or do a race or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'd get back and I'd go upstairs and I'd be like, so why didn't you make my side of the bed? <laughs> and he would say, oh, I forgot. Yeah, right. I like so, the forgetting thing. So then he started gaslighting me and doing a lot of things like that. And I'm just like, yeah. That's harsh. So how about a couple of those stories that you said were just put you over the top? What's the one with your toe? I mean, that that one was pretty incredible. That was was that when he was in Baltimore? That was when he was in Baltimore. And I mean, the story takes forever to tell. I broke my toe, ripped it open, needed stitches. They thought it was going to need a surgery. And I called him to say, hey, I need a ride tomorrow to the surgeon, because of course it's my right foot, can't drive, can't bear weight, can't do anything. And when we establish I don't need surgery, we're driving back to the house. And I said to him, I can't bear weight 
for two weeks. Like, mm-hmm. how am I going to do anything? How am I, I've got animals. I've got, how am I going to cook? How am I going to cook? And he just looked at me very calmly and said, yeah, it's going to be harder. <laughs> I was like, what? Oh, so gosh. we got to the house. I got inside, sat on the couch, propped my foot up. He put a tray stand next to me and a bottle of water and looked at me and said, well, I'm going to go now. I'm going to go back. And I was just floored. Absolutely. Not floored. Floored's not a good word. I was really hurt. And I ordered a pizza after he left. Because, of course, I'm like, you're leaving? And he's Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to. One thing I forgot to tell you when we talked about that before. He can work remotely. So he could have brought his computer with him because what if the surgeon said, yes, you need surgery, go over to Christiana right now. What was he going to do? I don't know. He was going to go back to Baltimore because he had trivia that night and it was all about him. It didn't matter what was happening in my world, which that was a pretty hard lesson. Like I said, I ordered a pizza and I dragged a tray stand on crutches to the door and the guy was like, do you want me to carry it in your kitchen? And I'm like, no, I've got this stranger by my house. And I'm I'm like, I don't want anybody in my house. Like, put the pizza right here. I got to go. Yeah. <laughs> but when he came home a week later, yeah, you know, I waited to talk about it because I was so upset. And I wanted to be able to articulate how much it hurt me. And mm-hmm. I was like, do you understand how much that hurt? And he said, mm-hmm. well, what was I supposed to do? Just take time off from work? And I said, yes. Yeah. He's a manager, so he can. And again, he can work remotely. Right. And he said, well, you didn't say anything. All you had to do was ask. Mm. And my response was, I didn't know I had to ask my husband to care. Like, I can't imagine you can't see me sitting there basically telling you how hopeless I feel. Right. And you just have nothing. Nothing. You just walk out the door. I don't understand. When I told that story to one of my kids, he Mm -hmm. said, that sounds like somebody that doesn't love you. I don't know if he loved me. Well, in his mind, I think he thought he loved me, but I think he loved himself more. Right. It's not the love that we we would hope for or think that we were getting into, or even it's not the love we would understand. Right. That's love. What they say, if friends like that, you don't need enemies or something. Yeah. 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 Kind of crazy. Oh, my gosh. And that was the year, too. Mother's Day was always really hard for me because the kids had all left and I lost my mom. And he knew how devastatingly hard Mother's Day was for Mm -hmm. me. And in the same calendar year, he had a gig. He was living in Baltimore. He had a gig up in like Newark or Newport or somewhere up there and never came home that weekend. He drove up went to the gig and drove right back down to Baltimore at two o'clock in the morning. And I was like, you're not coming home on Mother's Day weekend. Like, so I don't know what happened that weekend. I don't know who he had with him. I, I was just so hurt that again, I said, I can't believe, you know, you're right near the, my house. It's Mother's Day. And you didn't, yep. that's for people who don't know. Yeah. Right. Right. Right by the house. He yeah. did it in 2020. Also, he, they made them work remotely. Mm-hmm. because of covid and oh, he stayed down in baltimore like i don't even know why you're not coming home we're all hunkered down like why stayed in baltimore and the yeah. first weekend supposedly the first weekend he left i happened to have him on the phone and he was going to a buddy's house to play guitar mm-hmm. in his house right the guy lives in town's end 
So he literally had to drive by here to get to the guy's house. And again, I was like, do you understand how hurt I am? Because when he came home the next weekend, he stood there with his arms wide open, like I'm back. And I walked (laughs) past him and he was like, what? And I said, again, you don't come to see your wife. You go see Mark to play guitar. Yeah. I don't understand. I, I, I can't wrap my mind around how you could do that. It's so hurtful. But he was meeting his own needs. Did you start to think that you didn't want to be married to him anymore, Valerie? I did. I did. I did. But there's that part of me that you do the vows, you do the whole thing. I never, ever wanted to get divorced. I mean, I had a conversation with him on our 35th anniversary. We need to change things. Like, this isn't a good way to live. Like, changes need to be made. Mm-hmm. And that was October and the following February was when he just looked at me and went, well, I think we should go our separate ways. Sorry. There's nothing worth saving here. And he walked out the door. I love that. Nothing worth saving. Nothing worth saving. I said, after 35 years, really? Because that's where I came from. You know, yeah, there were things that were especially in the last two years, but yeah, <laughs> it so, was terrible no. the way he did it. And I think ultimately that's what really changed things for everybody involved in the family and everything it was just the way he did it so you have three children we don't you have to tell yep. us about the kids yep i have three boys oh they're all really three boys yeah all boys yep yep all right so let's tell so the one son was 19 when he went to afghanistan yeah his first deployment it was during the surge and if anybody remembers anything about that google it it was when we sent thousands and thousands of troops into Afghanistan. It was a really, really mm-hmm. scary, scary time. He was on a a post or a fob that was so remote that when the big echelon would go visit in Afghanistan, they didn't go to their post. It was rough terrain and dangerous and good enough for our guys. And I get it. But anyway, yeah, he spent his entire year as a 19-year-old in Afghanistan, but he was stationed in Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and we're in Delaware. And I'm used to being part of the military family. You know, when you're right. the wife, you follow them, you're part of the family, you yep. have a great built in support system. When your child does that, you feel like the cousin nobody talks about. So I needed to kind of get immersed and get some information and find some things out. We had a deployment date and I told him, okay, we're going, right? And he said, no. I said, what do you mean, no? You're not going to go? And he said, no, you're not going to go see your son before he goes to Afghanistan to fight in a horrible act of war. And he's, his response was, well, my parents never went when I deployed. And I said, A, you were married. B, you were on a submarine, which, okay. <laughs> Has its dangers, I'll give you that, but come on. It was totally different. And see, I don't care. I don't care what your parents did. My son, mm-hmm. our son, is not going to be standing there by himself without a family member there to let him know that he's cherished right. before he goes to Afghanistan. Is this where you tried to work out that the asshole? He said he had a 
He had a gig. Is that the one? He oh had? no, that was further on down the road. Oh, the- no, yeah, that was the other story. He just wasn't going to go. He, he was just gonna, not going. Wasn't going to take excuse. time off for it. Wasn't important enough. Just didn't have any excuse. Just now he, when Eric returned, he went. And again, I think that falls under the. They like the glory. They like to be able to say, right, "Oh right. look," and that's what that became. How did Eric feel about all that? Eric's pretty upset about it still. Mm-hmm. He just, you know, being in the military himself, you know, you and our faith, you gain values and ideas and commitment uh-huh. and the whole thing. And he just, he's wildly disappointed in him and really at this point has nothing to do with him, which is heartbreaking to me. That is never, ever the wish of a parent, ever. But when you deep dive into the history of this man, he has nothing to do with his first three kids. And mm-hmm. part of that is because it takes effort. Everything we did with those kids mm-hmm. was driven by me, mm-hmm. exactly. ironically. Mm-hmm. You know, phone calls and meetups. And I mean, I remember making their clothes for Christmas and doing all the things. And then mm-hmm. I would get barked at for whatever reason regarding the kids. Mm-hmm. And I finally said to him, okay, now, if they hear from us at all or from you, it's going to be driven by you. I'm out. I'm done. You keep railing at me and giving me a hard time and, and everything. So now it's on you. And that was it. They never heard from him again. It wow. takes effort. You know, there was an awful lot going on in those kids' lives, and it would take me hours to unpack it. What about the when your son, the baby showers? That, that's a oh, yeah. Let's tell, that's another one. Now, my oldest, he and his, now wife, they met in college and they lived with us after college for a bit. And then they moved into a place here still in Delaware. And then one of our boys lives in Houston. And I think the final straw was when we had like a foot and a half of snow one night. (laughs) He and his girlfriend then had to try to shovel out the car. And he looked at her and said, that's it. I've had it. Let's go. And they decided to go to Houston. She worked for Nordstrom at the time as a manager. So she was able to collateral move. And he went down without a job and searched and got a job. Well, then they end up moving to California. She's pregnant. They're still not married, which whatever. They moved to California. Her family's out there, which is perfect. His job ended up excelling because the place he was working at originally got bought by Anheuser-Busch. This has just been a really great thing for his career. So anyway, they decide to have a baby shower for them in California, which is including everybody. Mm -hmm. Dad, cousins, brothers, Mm -hmm. wives, sisters, the whole thing. And I say to him, hey, they're going to have a baby shower for the kids. And he dismisses it immediately because he hears baby shower. Not everything that I'm telling him, just hears baby shower. I'm not going. A couple days pass and they get a hold of me again. And they said, listen, we're going to get married. We figure we'll do it while you're out. Everybody's there. And then it can be a whole thing. Right. And so I tell him they're going to get married. So are you going to go? No, I'm not going to go. Oh, boy. And I was like, wait a minute, why not? And he said, well, I have a gig. Because <laughs> he plays in one of these. I know we've all seen them. These guys, you know, 60 years and older that think they're rock stars. They play like Doobie Brothers and all of that. Okay, whatever. You're 
like my youngest son said, you're not the next Jimi Hendrix. You're not going to get found. Give it up already. <laughs> so, yeah. So he had a gig. And I said, well, get somebody else to play. Mm-hmm. Cam. I said, well, then cancel it. Well, they've already made flyers. It was being held at like a Lions Club or something. They've already made flyers. I said, but your kid's getting married. Yeah, well, I got a gig. So then I researched plane flights. You could fly out on Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday, be there for when they get married, go to the shower, and you can be on the flight on your way home and still make it to the gig. Nope. Mm. Didn't go. Didn't go. And interestingly, what happened after the divorce, I was talking to my other son's wife and we were talking about that. And I said, I still just can't believe he never went to that. And she stopped me and she said, Val, he didn't go to my graduation from college. Wow. And I didn't know. See, she had her dad had died when she was younger and her mom died of cancer while she was in college. So here she is with my son. And she went to veterinary school and the graduation was in New York City. So, of course, I'm going. And and he was proposing to her that day. Oh. And everybody knew it. Yeah. And he didn't go. Well, he's missing out on the world. You know, it's a shame. He's he, totally it, missing it, out. You know, you just it's one thing that he's missing out, but to include everybody else in this unhappiness. Yeah, and that's part of it is the shame of it. Just think about it. It's funny. Yeah. It's funny because I I said to her, I'm really sorry. I said, because I think at that point, that was a few years earlier, Mm -hmm. I was still in the, well, you know, your father has to work and and doing the excuse mode. And I had gradually stopped doing that because I was like, it feels like you're just lying. After a while, you're just lying to everybody and making excuses for this person's narcissistic behavior, where all that really matters is themselves, period. Now, you said that somebody, now one of your kids has got a, you have a grandchild. I have three grandchildren. You have three grandchildren. In fact, the one in California, we went to go see, and again, it, it wouldn't have happened had I not, when they had the first one. I was like, I've got to get out there. My son, it was interesting because your kids are like, I need mom. Like, this is really hard. I need my mom. And Uh I said, let's go out and see the grandson. Like, holy cow, I can't believe we have a grandson. And we go to fly out to California. It ended up being on my birthday. I'm going to lump a couple good stories in here with you. And again, this is that same calendar year where he did the Mother's Day thing. And this was another thing he did that year. And we get on the plane and the baby's six weeks old. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually a little older than, well, no, like six weeks. And I need a window seat. And it's not just cool. I, you know, I need a window seat. It right, just right. helps me fly. And, and he wanted the window seat because to him, it's just cool. Okay, and we're on Southwest, so you get what you get. And I took the window seat. He was so ticked off about it. He just went and sat someplace else on the plane. And so I sat there thinking, you know, shouldn't we be sitting here holding hands and talking about the grandson and being all excited? And I said, nobody on this plane knows that we're even together. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't understand how that gets to that point. 
So we go there and we spend time now ratchet forward. That was four years ago. So that was 2019. So it wasn't, was it the same calendar year? Yeah, it was 2019. He did all that crazy stuff. Go four years forward. He is, my son has since he and his wife have had another baby and the asshole has not been out there since that six week visit. So he hasn't seen that little boy since then. And he hasn't seen his own son in four years. That's horrible. It's horrible for your kids. It's horrible for your kids. And it's sad. His wife actually said to me, I think the hardest part of this entire thing has been for Chris to realize he wasn't really the father he thought he was. Mm -hmm. Because you romanticize things as humans. We don't want to ever, you know, I don't know. I feel bad. Like I told you, my girlfriend said, this is the time in our lives we're supposed to cement our relationships and our legacy with our kids and with our grandkids. You know, my other son's wife FaceTimes with me often enough, and I've visited enough that the two-year-old, when the screen pops open, I go, Gaga! (laughs) You know, I'm like, how do you not want that in your life? I don't know. It's sad. Because now he's remarried. Yeah, so let's let's finish this podcast with with talking about he's got a... Another victim, should we say? Yeah. The only good thing about that is he's too old to procreate with her, so he can't mess <laughs> up any more kids. <laughs> well, he doesn't need to bring any more kids into the world. Oh, my God, no. But you've got your kids from, but uh, still. So now, wasn't this somehow that nobody knows he's getting married? How did that go? Yeah, my middle son happened to call him to let him know that he had gotten a new job. My son had, mm-hmm. and he was moving. Mm-hmm. And in the conversation, this was in April, late April, he said, oh, by the way, I'm getting married. Mm-hmm. And my son said, well, that was quick. Yeah. And he got married the beginning of June. So he, none of them knew he was dating anybody. None of them knew anything. They just, you know, so I'm sure his older three because he doesn't communicate with them at all. Right. I don't know if they know or not, nor if they even care but yeah he has six kids he got married and none of them were there and to me that speaks volumes that shows you just how self-centered you are well the new wife i don't know but she's gonna find out or she's got kids you know know what about her right i don't know what you could possibly well the way he likes to circle back it's somebody that he dated in high school And he says, well, I've got six kids, but we're going to get married and we never see any of them. So yeah. you don't have to worry about that. You don't have to worry about that. You know, you, if you were going to be the new wife, when you think, hmm, this is odd that he's got six kids and grandkids. That's my thought exactly is right. how do you, what exactly are you telling people yeah. when you're standing there taking your vows? Like, mm. what are you telling people? And the older two got invitations. The youngest one, of course, did not because since the youngest one, isn't communicative with him he's not going to waste his time because that's effort and but the older two did get invitations but they were like no we won't be part of that thank you we don't even know her name so no so you don't see him at all no thank the lord he lives now in michigan which is getting slammed by snow and he hates snow so (laughs) that's my own little gift I know. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so it's been, you've been divorced, what, three years? Two years. It'll be three years, August. Okay. Yep. Yeah. 
and you don't see him at all. No. And thank the, God. And so how do you feel? Do you feel better about your whole self in general? Look, you just did a 31 miles in the exactly. Cold. Do you know he walked out on a Monday? Mm-hmm. And it was the week of Algonquin 50K. Oh, wow. And I know, you know, when you're in the midst of doing races like that, it's very much a mental game. Oh, sure. Very much. Well, no, I haven't done that much, but I, it's even a mental game for anything. Anything. Me? Anything you're challenging yourself yeah, to. Right. And I went to that Algonquin, and they had had crazy rain. I mean, we were going through a foot and a half deep water. And it was a 50K. So again, it was 31 miles hmm. and I did it. Good and I was just like, look at that. Suck yeah. it. You can't take that away from me. And it was interesting because I hadn't really said much to people there. I did say to a few people, you know, especially the people running alongside. Well, my husband walked out on me Monday after 35 years and they were like, oh my God, you know. Yeah. The volunteers at the aid stations had to pick, there was a an organization there called Gritty Chicks and they wanted to know which woman the volunteers felt was the grittiest. Mm-hmm. And somehow they picked me. Wow. And I got the email Monday morning and I told this woman, you have no idea no what it means and i told her what had happened monday and she she said i don't know if i'm allowed to swear am i allowed to swear on this (laughs) because she said you my friend are gritty as fuck and i went yes ma'am wow yes ma'am that is really cool i heard a lot of stuff but never somebody called a gritty chick a gritty chick yeah you made it you did it and you're your own person and yep that's something we'd be proud of. Yep. And I just go into bed oh, and cover their head and go into a depression. Yep. So much. And then it really made me cement. It's interesting because my relationship with my kids is so much better. I mean, it was always good, mm-hmm. but it's so great. Mm-hmm. And I've made a commitment and I told them I will never not be there for my grandchild's birthday. So I go wherever they are. You know, I told somebody recently, probably the hardest thing ever, because he really slammed me financially. Oh, boy. And I said, probably the hardest thing. I mean, I got I got alimony and I got all the things. I got the house and all the equity. So I did get all the things. But it's taking me time to get back fully on my feet. Mm -hmm. And I said, probably the hardest thing ever, especially as a parent is to have your kids help you. That's never a role you want to be in as a parent. Mm -hmm. That's who you are, you know? And they're like, and they have just been amazing. I did a really good job raising them. You certainly did. And you said his first three sons never even, what, got out of high school or? Never graduated high school. No. You took the second batch and you made them into wonderful people all by yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Because for the first 12 years, he was in the Navy. Right. So, you know, you're running around and you're doing all the things. And and then even when he was home, he wasn't really home, was he? No, he wasn't. So, And you, and you were, have a job now. So you, right? Yeah. I've always worked. That's the thing. I've always worked and contributed in up to a point. Like when the kids were little, little, yeah, I stayed right. home. But it's good for a person to get out and work and be with other people. You have to after all. You oh, absolutely. All the emotional abuse and everything. Yep, I would take part-time jobs so that he'd be home with the kids. Mm-hmm. But that that was when they were little, little, and it wasn't very long. But yeah, 
yeah, it's really good to be out and be your own. And that's really what the running community and being out in the in mm-hmm. nature, just being outside. I live in a state by a state park, and even my ex, we both go there. We both sure. go to be calm. There's a river there. You know? Yep. And yeah, that it's funny that we both go there to calm ourselves. Yeah. And yeah, it's the nature, it's the exercise. And I don't know what I would have done without that place. Oh, uh, absolutely. He's not healthy now too much, and he's still goes out and walks. He can't run anymore. You know, but yeah, being out in nature, so you're doing everything right. Do you, would you have anything to say? To uh, is there any comment you'd like to make before we close? Ah, that's a good question. What about somebody that's dealing with some guy like the asshole? Well, hopefully, to me, if you haven't had kids, get out now. Yeah, because <laughs> <laughs> honestly, yeah. there's no fixing it. There right. really isn't. Right, that's the truth. Really. That's the truth. You don't have financial problems. You're not going to fix it. It's just going to get worse. My sister right now is dealing with a next-door neighbor who's married Mm -hmm. and has two small, small kids. And they got a dog Mm -hmm. because they wanted to get a puppy. Mm -hmm. And the husband works from home and decided that it was just too much. And without them knowing it, he took the dog after nine months back to the shelter. Now. This isn't the only story this girl is telling, but she's constantly saying things like, well, you know, he's under a lot of pressure. Oh, there you go. I mean, it literally was like, Um, oh, my God. Another poor soul. She's in a horrible relationship. And my sister said, well, she was in the military. She doesn't take any graph, you know, and I'm like, no, no, no. Listen to her. She's in a horrible relationship and it's just going to get worse. Going, I hope she, well, she's got little kids. I don't know. Maybe they can help. She can get some help. We didn't get much help. No, we really didn't. But some we, people today can get, get a little more than we ever got, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, get help if you can. And the other thing is to have a willing a willing partner, because I, I said that, like, let's get help. Let's do whatever we can. And he just really wasn't willing. No, they're not going to do it. Wasn't willing at all. Well, listen. Val, it's fun to talk to you. I'm so happy, you know, I met you off and on and finally we started to talk and I said, how about the podcast, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I hope, so I'll be seeing you out there. I don't do the big one she does, but we'll be seeing I you. love the 5Ks though. What a great challenge, like to push yourself. Well, that's what my, my ex used to say. He didn't like the 5Ks because he did work harder than just going out and me doing a 10K or a 10 mile or yeah. something like that. Yeah. They're great training runs. I love them. Now you call them training runs. I call them my run, but I'm old. <laughs> I am too. You know, I had a moment yesterday where I was walking up this horrific hill uh-huh. and this young guy went running by me uh-huh. and this couple was coming the other way with their dog. And I said, boy, look at these young kids making this look like a piece of cake. After I passed them, I was like, and I'm talking to myself out loud, lady, you're a 62-year-old grandma, and you're out here rocking it. You're rocking it. Rocking it. You're rocking it. And I'll tell you, sometimes when I'm out there, I'll, I'll just, people be waving at me. I'll go, I'm 78, I'm 79. And they all go, I just have to tell them, you know, just, yeah. to, I don't know, just say, guess what, you know? Yeah. yeah. Well, listen, I'm sorry you had that couple of marriage, but you're doing really good. You have wonderful children and grandkids, and I'll be seeing you out there. So thanks Absolutely. so much in your recuperation state here. 
go sit in a bath of Epsom salts or something. Yeah, Yeah, I'll tell you what. I thought I was okay until I sat on the couch around noon and then I woke up and, well, I fell asleep, I think, at like one o'clock and all of a sudden it's 10 of two and I'm like, oof, wake up, lady. Kind of wake (laughs) up and do a podcast. All right. Well, thanks so much for coming on. Sure. Thank you for having me. It was really wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please review, subscribe, and tell a friend. My website is www.aprilanderson.net. Remember to trust yourself, be strong, and don't let them get you.